last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside our two-bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Ignore the voice crack on the open. It's Paul Mancano and Brendan Mortensen here with you, as always. We have a special guest that we're going to get to in a little bit, but let's introduce what today's episode is, Brendan, because today is part one of the All Camden Yards Draft. We have three teams We are going to be drafting the best players from the Camden Yards era, which means 1992 to today. Three-team draft. Today's part one. We're going to finish it up in a week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Look, I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this is the most important podcast we've ever done. Uh, I have put my blood, sweat, and tears into my big board and uh, this, this is what it comes down to. This is what it comes down to. I mean, this is, uh, we've been preparing, you've been preparing probably way too much for this. Way too much. You've had multiple Zoom calls enough. with analysts. Some have argued not enough. Um, nobody's argued not enough. Well, maybe some of the analysts that you've been consulting on the side. Look, I, I needed to be prepared. Yeah. I needed to make sure that we had the best possible Orioles squad, and I don't know how I would have done that if I wasn't using every connection that I had as a resource. We're going to get to the rules in just a bit, but let's introduce our guest who has the third team of this three-team draft, and that is Connor Newcomb of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Connor, thanks so much for doing this ridiculous escapade with us. Listen, it's not ridiculous. It's, it's, (laughs) It's a fantastic idea. Thank you both for having me on. And I'm just going to get it out in the open here that, you know, I feel there has been collusion that I do have the third pick in this draft. But other than that, I'm very happy to be here. If you it, look, if you go back and listen to last week's episode, we did the the pick live on our on our episode. We could have done it beforehand and just lied to you. You didn't we see the screen. The, the idea was tossed around. I mean, there's no reason for you to trust us. There's, there all. really is. No. Correct. Yeah. Um, we have, I think, I mean, personally, so I have the first overall pick. It's a snake draft, which means I have the first and sixth overall picks. Uh, Brendan has the second and fourth overall picks. Uh, no, second and second fifth. And fifth. Fifth overall picks. Um, and Connor will have the third and fourth overall picks. And then the order reverses like a fantasy draft. So that's the first rule of the draft. As mentioned, it's 1992. So that's including the year 1992. Until 2020, any player and manager uh, during that time period is eligible for the draft, but the production only counts from that time period. So say, for example, Cal Ripken Jr., you're getting the last 10 years of his career. Imagine that he is signing his contract with this new team that you've created in his age 30 or 31 season, and he's playing out the rest of the contract. You're not getting the bulk of Cal Ripken Jr.'s career. Um We are drafting a manager. Each team is drafting a manager, a catcher, a first baseman, a second baseman, a third baseman, a shortstop, three outfielders. They should probably be left, center, right. uh, A designated hitter, five starting pitchers, and three relievers. Uh, What else am I missing here? There's no trades. No trades. No trades during this draft or afterwards as well. Um, And also the production only counts as an Oriole. So, for example, Greg Olson. Great 
closer, only played at Camden Yards for two seasons, then left the team. So you don't also get all of his production after he left the team. You also don't get all of his production before he was an Oriole uh, pitching at Camden Yards. The same thing with like Jake Arrieta. You don't get you you don't get to draft Jake Arrieta and say, well, he was a Cy Young winner in Chicago. He was who he was with the Orioles. So there goes my goes. draft plan. And then the most maybe the most important rule: the body of work is important. So if you have a guy who was excellent for two years and you have a guy who was excellent for five years. The guy who was excellent for five years should get the nod. So that'll get interesting when we get into some players who were not as good over a long period of time, but they played a lot of years in an Orioles jersey. And then you have some players, of course, who had excellent years, but were only on the team for one or two years. So do you want a guy under contract for eight years who's going to be just okay? Or do you want a superstar for two years? We'll we'll find out. Let's find out. Um, All right. Ready to kick this thing off, Connor. You, not Let's like you have it. the first pick. I just want to make sure you're on board because you haven't <laughs> spoken in a while, and I'm sorry about that. Let's do it. And uh, I think we know Paul's draft plan now, which uh, he's mentioned Jake Arrieta and Kyle Ripken Jr. <laughs> yeah. and Greg Olson. So. so with the first pick, I select... No, not going with Arietta with that first overall pick. I've tossed around Nolan Rimal. I've tossed around uh, Delman Young. But in all actuality, with the first overall pick in this draft... I'm going to take a guy who was outstanding in an Orioles uniform, was a recent inductee into the Hall of Fame. We're only missing his rookie year from Oriole Park at Camden Yards, which means we're getting him for nine seasons, five all-star appearances, two-time gold glove winner, and a five-time top five finisher for the Cy Young. I'm going Mike Messina with the first overall pick. I look at the board and I say that there is a huge drop-off between Mike Messina and the rest of the starting pitchers. I am very comfortable taking this Hall of Famer with the first overall pick. And now the question is, how long is it going to be before the next starting pitcher comes off the board? I think a very long time before the next starting pitcher goes. I think it could be several... I think it could be up to 10 rounds. It could be a long time. Uh, But that tells me that Mike Messina is by far the best of the bunch. He's my opening day starter, Mike Messina. Yeah, and I think he was probably the clear-cut number one pick. I think as we were preparing for this draft, I'm pretty sure Mike Messina was the one that Connor and I probably both figured would be off the board by our picks. Number two gets interesting. I think there's a lot of possibilities here, but I narrowed it down to one. So with the second overall pick, I'm going with Cal Ripken Jr. Whoa! Whoa! Look, Cal Ripken Jr. is on the board. You've got to take him. I know it's the final 10 years of his career. It is not prime Cal Ripken Jr. that we're getting. And I know Manny Machado is there playing the same positions. But Cal Ripken Jr. with 500 more games than Manny Machado. 10 all-star appearances. And he still has three seasons finishing inside the top 20 in MVP voting. So Cal Ripken Jr., even though it's the final 10 years of his career, you're still getting a really, really good player. Wow. Connor, what'd you think of that pick? I mean, Brendan just opened the board up for me. Yeah. Because I got to say, you know, not to give a peek too far into the Google Doc I have in front of me, but Cal was number seven on my big board. Whoa. Uh, which means... That's a you know, reach. Listen, he's an outstanding player, but when you get the back 10 of his career, you know, those last couple years as well, start to bring the stats down a little bit when he moves to third as well. Um, And so I get the next two picks and 
honestly, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take two recent stars and load up my team with uh, two Oriole greats. And so with the third pick, with with the third pick, not only am I going to take a great player, but also a great leader and a Baltimore icon in Adam Jones. Wow. Yep. There it is. Play center field for my team. And that was tough because there are two center fielders who are right up there for that spot, but I'm going to go with Jones and give him the edge. And then you mentioned it, Brendan, with my fourth pick, I'm going to take Manny Machado and, you know, I'm going to try to build the best version of the 2012 through 2016 Orioles uh, that I can right now. And I'm feeling pretty good with Adam and Manny. Uh, You should. I mean, personally, I thought very much thought Brendan was going to go with Manny with that second overall pick Um, because Obviously, three fewer years, but the production, it was Manny Machado's, you know, the prime of his career. And he, in terms of war, we're going to be referring to war, I think, a lot in this podcast. But Manny, during that time period, had a 31.6 baseball reference war. Cal Ripken had 26.6. So Manny was averaging 4.5 wins above replacement a season during his Orioles years. And Cal was averaging 2.6 wins above replacement during those seasons. I know Cal Ripken is a great, and I, I obviously he's probably the best player to have ever played at Camden Yards, but you're not getting the best of him. You're getting thir- the 30s decade of Cal Ripken Jr. I'm just very surprised by that. Pick. Well, that's fair, but you're also getting six more All-Star games and a better defensive yeah, war but overall. Yeah, the All-Star games, I mean... To me, the All-Star games, he was a legend by that point. Right. So you're giving him an All-Star nod every year. And obviously, I mean, look, you do get a great moment and you get 21-31 at Camden Yards to celebrate. But I think the All-Star, I'm not saying he wasn't deserving of those All-Star nods, but player reaches a certain level, he's going to get an All-Star nod every year, regardless of kind of his production at a certain point. That's fair. Well, if we just want to look at war, then we'll go with the next pick who has uh, the highest war of all of the guys on my draft board, and that's Brady Anderson. Yeah. Going to put him probably in center field. It was a toss-up for me between Brady Anderson and Adam Jones. Adam Jones goes to Connor. I shore up with Brady Anderson. Had a war of 33.2 over his uh, career after 92 with the Orioles. Seventh most leadoff home runs in MLB history. He would be our theoretical leadoff hitter on this team that I'm making here. So Brady Anderson. Is my pick. It's a good pick. Connor, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, he's the he's the guy I was looking at center field. And and I gotta say, you know, if we're going strictly war, Brady is the number one position player yeah. on this list. But the reason I still didn't take him is you look at the war, according to baseball reference, he's worth about 33 war for his career with the Orioles. Adam Jones worth 32, Manny Machado worth about 32. So they're all in the same boat. And, you know, I took Jonesy over him just because, you know, Adam was kind of the face of the team when he was an Oriole. And frankly, Cal was the face of the team still when Brady was an Oriole. And I'm going to take that leadership uh, and give him a little bump. And, uh, you know, Adam Jones went to the playoffs one more year uh, than than Brady Anderson did as well. So a little bit uh, more intangibles. And then, you know, didn't want to get the outfield too crowded. So uh, get Manny in there. But But that's, you know, you took the best available player at number five. Wholeheartedly agree. He was next on my board. I am sitting here now with the sixth overall pick, the top five, not the order I expected, but those five players I did expect to be off the board at this point. I think those five were clearly the best. 
So I have a plan for this. Um, I don't want to miss out on an outfielder. Uh, you guys have both taken superb outfielders, and I think that there is one superb outfielder left on this board. Um, and I think that if I don't get this guy, then I'm left with a somewhat subpar group of outfielders. So I'm going to go ahead and take Nick Markakis with the third overall pick, or with my sixth overall pick, my second round pick, two-time gold glove winner, averaged 2.9 wins above replacement in nine seasons. He hit 290, um, had an OPS of 793, played solid outfield and right. The only, not the only knock, but a knock is that he can't play center, unlike Brady and unlike Adam Jones. Um, but I felt like I needed to take an outfielder at this point because I was going to be missing out. I couldn't, I just couldn't wait. Um, so going with Nick Markakis there. That's, that's not the outfielder I thought you were going with there. Really? I have a different outfielder Above higher him? up. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes. That's not the guy I thought you were going. All I don't right. know what Connor thinks, but. I mean, I got to say, I thought that was the perfect pick from Paul. Thank you. I mean, on the on the Newcomb big board over here, <laughs> um, I've got two players ahead of Markakis left on the board, but uh, Markakis is the best true outfielder yeah. that I've got on there left. And yeah, I mean, unless you want to move some guys around who are a little lower on this board and have played, you know, some innings in the outfield in their career, uh, Nick is the uh, probably the right pick there. Yeah, and I do have back-to-back picks, so my next pick, this one I really waffled on because I think you could go a lot of directions in this with this position, but I feel comfortable with this guy. This guy is a two-time All-Star, came over to the Orioles in a trade for Mike Bordick, um, during his time is 10 seasons in Baltimore. He played third base, shortstop, left field, right field, and DH. He hit 280. Uh, he ha- had 29 wins above replacement in those 10 seasons. Incredible production. Played on some bad Orioles teams, but he was one of the best parts of those bad Orioles teams, if not the best part. And that's Melvin Mora with my next pick. Um, I think I needed to also, in a similar way, there, there was more depth in the infield here. But uh, you guys went out and got the two best infielders in this draft. I needed to stick with another infielder. So I go infield, outfield, and of course I have Mike Messina. So I feel good about my three picks so far. Yeah, that's Melvin Morrow is who I thought you were taking with the previous pick, but still get him in your turn. So yeah, no harm. Still works out. All right, Brendan, you're on the clock. Ooh, this leaves me in an interesting position because I think there's two infielders that I'm looking at here. And it's just which one I prefer between the two of them. So you have you currently have Cal Ripken Jr. I've got Cal Ripken Jr. And I've got Brady Anderson. All right. So with this pick, I'm going Brian Roberts. Ooh. Sure up second base. I was tossing up two infielders, but I think with Roberts, over 1,300 games played in an Orioles uniform, war of about 29, made two all-star games, top 20 MVP finish once. But he's just... He's such a consummate Oriole. You know, it's just, you think of Orioles infielders, you think of Brian Roberts. I'm shoring up my second base spot and going with him. Connor, what'd you think? Yeah, I gotta say, we're uh, we're doing pretty well here. Top eight on the uh, big board over here have been <laughs> the top eight picks so far. So uh, we're pretty much on par for uh, for what's going on now. And now, you know, we I feel like getting to kind of a next set of players after Roberts goes off. Um, And I am tasked with taking those next two players. Yep. Um, And to be honest with you, 
you know, I got to take a catcher here, I think, because there are two catchers who are really good players and we're really good players with the Orioles. And then after that, uh, you uh, are kind of left with uh, guys that aren't so great. So I'm, I'm a little worried you guys might take catchers. Uh, I'm going to go, though, elsewhere uh, with my number nine pick. I'm going to take Rafael Palmero um, with the number nine pick. Now, no matter what you may think about him and you know what may have helped him on the baseball field or not, uh, he was a great player. Um, and the thing I like about Palmero is the two different stints with the Orioles. Um, you get the stint he had when the Orioles, you know, went to the playoffs in 96 and 97 and kind of the big bat that he was in that lineup. And then you get that stint in 04 and 05 for Orioles fans, you know, closer to my age that will remember that stint where, you know, he was not the same Rafael Palmero, uh, but he was kind of an Orioles name. And that 05 season, you know, the Orioles were in first place in July that year before kind of falling apart. And uh, he's kind of a, a piece on that team who, although didn't produce to the normal Palmero levels, uh, was still around at that time. And, you, you know, you look at the stats, 24.4 war. Um, if you combine his time, his two stints with the Orioles, that's the best left on the board. Um, and I'm getting a power hitting first baseman who I can stick in the middle of my lineup. I love that pick. Um, yeah. If I'm being honest, I mean, you said it, Connor, the, the, no matter what you say, and, and I was a little wary about where to put him on my board just because of, we know, obviously everything off the field, but um, the production speaks for itself, and he is a thumper in the middle of that lineup. Uh, gives you a ton of power. Um, I, I would, yeah, I, I think that is the right pick to make in that place. Yeah, there were kind of tiers of available players. Connor mentioned it a little bit, and Paul Marrow is just the last one remaining of those really, really high war position players, and regardless of what you think about him, He's just the best player available, yeah. and you've got to go with it there. All right, Connor, you also have the next pick. You mentioned a catcher. Is that where you're going to go next? I'm going to go catcher, and I think I'm going to make some uh, s- some Orioles fans who are a little older mad with this. Oh, I think I know. I think I'm going to stick with my trend of taking the more recent Orioles. And now you, you're basically picking between two guys right now, Chris yeah. Hoyles and Matt Wieters. Um, I'm going to take Wieters which is a little bit of a stretch Whoa. because Hoyles with four more war Hoyles had in his career. But the way I look at Weeders is, you know, for Chris Hoyles, he was on those two playoff teams in the nineties and, you know, he, you know, you get him from 92 to 98 uh, and, you know, he was worth about 22 war Weeders from 09 to 16 worth about 18 war. Um, and I know the war looks worse, but if you think about Weeders, you lost almost two full seasons in there with injury for Matt Wieters. And I know, you know, I get those injury issues when he comes to my team, but in my head, you know, without the injuries, Matt Wieters plays that entire 2014 AL East division champion season. The Orioles are even better that year. Um, And who knows the kind of war he could have accrued in 2014, right in the prime of his career when he missed an entire season where that Orioles team was really good. He had a lot of lineup protection around him. Um, and you know, if he would, and I know this isn't in his stats, but if he plays that season, I think he's maybe even or ahead of Hoyles in that category. And, you know, he'll obviously get along much better with guys he played with like Adam Jones and Manny Machado. So I'm going to take Matt Wieters. I like how the team chemistry is being taken into account. It should. It should. You're building a team. It's a very good point. 
and I can't argue a with group it. Of guys here. Yeah. Well, now comes the point in the draft where if one of those two catchers went, yeah. the other one needs to go pretty much immediately. So I'm going Chris Hoyles. I probably would have taken him over Weeders, so I'm happy with this here. Me too. Fewer games played, higher war. I know Weeders has more all-star games, but hey, if I need a grand slam in a 3-2 count in the bottom of the ninth, I'm going with Chris Hoyles. That's yeah, my starting off- catcher. Offensively, certainly Hoyles is the better pick here. Uh, it's just a question of how much do you value that defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, Connor, I think that's a defendable pick. I would have gone with Hoyles if I'm being honest. But ultimately, it just leaves me in the toughest of positions with having to be stuck with the third best catcher. Yeah. Who that third best catcher is. Who knows? Who knows? And the thing (laughs) is, because you both have catchers, I mean, I, I know both those guys can, in theory, move over to DH if you need them to. Um, but I feel like I can wait at catcher at this point because you are both solid in that position. You can't stack catchers. You don't need a backup catcher per se unless you want to stick one of those guys at DH. That's the question. For real quick, before I make my both picks, let's reset. Uh, Connor, who, who is on your team at the moment? Well, I've, I've got a pretty good, um, you know, recent Orioles. I've got Adam Jones in center. I've got Manny Machado at third. And I've got Matt Weeders behind the dish. And then uh, I got some pop over at first with Rafael Palmero. It's a good squad. Brendan? Uh, with the second overall pick, I took the much scrutinized Cal Ripken Jr. playing shortstop. In center field, I've got Brady Anderson. At second, Brian Roberts. And catching, Chris Hoyles. And I, with the number one overall t- pick, took Mike Messina. So I have the best starting pitcher of the three of them, of the three of us. Uh, and I have Nick Markakis out in right and Melvin Mora. Currently floating in the infield. Currently floating in the infield. We'll see what else I want to do with my infield to determine where he's going to play. Um, I am on the board. I am on the clock. Not on the board. Don't take me. I'm on the clock (laughs) uh, at this point. I have two picks. (sighs) This is tough. I think I know who I'm going to go with the first one. And it's a question of, yeah. Okay. I think I know what I'm doing here. Um, All right. I'm going to go first and foremost with, let's see. Do I want to go with him? I think Some so. Some indecisiveness from Paul. So, I, I, I was taking a shower earlier. His big board? TMI and Consider just, it shaking. I was, uh, I, was, I was mulling things over at the last minute. I'm going to go here with a guy who was with the Orioles for five seasons, another guy who kind of toiled on some bad teams, but put up some pretty incredible numbers. In five years, hit 305. Had almost 20 wins above replacement, according to Baseball Reference. A three-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger, and a top-five finisher for MVP in 2004. I'm going to go with Miguel Tejada. Played both second, played both third base rather and shortstop. Uh, hit 109 home runs in those five seasons. 836 OPS. I feel good about Miguel Tejada with this spot. Yeah, yeah. I, it's like you're reading my big board. Just down the list we go. Yeah. Um, I think this has pretty much been according to plan. Now, my next pick is a little bit of a toss-up. Like I said, I think I can wait on catcher. Um, I think I can wait with some other positions. I can obviously wait with uh, starting pitcher. The only problem is I have to wait for four more picks after me. So what exactly do I want to do here? Hmm. Still considering it. Still thinking. No, we've got all the time in the world, Paul. Don't rush. All the time in the world. 
Uh, all right. I'm going to go with my next pick. Oh, man. You know, I maybe should have prepped a little bit more than this. Yeah, just a little bit more. Um, all right. I am going to go with the next guy on my board. I'm going to be true to my board. Uh, actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take... I'm going to take Zach Britton. Wow. With my next Ow. pick. Um, I, All right. I feel good about this pick. I feel uh, I was going to go with somebody else at this point. But you know what? I'm getting the best. I'm going to build a great stable of arms between both the rotation and the bullpen. Was he the next guy on my board? No. I went off my board with this a little bit. Goodness. But in eight seasons with Zach Britton, Let's focus on him as a reliever, not the failed time as him as a starter. He was absolutely excellent. An ERA under two, a two-time all-star. He is by far the best reliever on the board at this point. I have Mike Messina starting games. I have Zach Britton closing games. I like these two picks. I'm going to be honest, Paul. This threw me for a loop. Yeah. Wow. I have to introduce some chaos into this draft. Connor got on me a little bit for my Kyle Ripken Jr. pick being so down the board. Connor, I don't know where you have Zach Britton on your big board. I had him at 22. 23. 23 for, for Connor. So we are skeptical yeah. of this pick a little bit there, Paul. And this, wow, this really opens up my draft board here with what I can do. I was expecting a different guy to go off the board. I was too. And now I've got, <laughs> now I've got two in mind. Ooh. Which is tough because then I leave Connor with one of those two, I think. Mm -hmm. But with this pick here, I think I'm going to put Cal Ripken Jr. solidly at shortstop and draft my third baseman, and that's going to be B.J. Serhoff. He was kind of stranded on some not great Orioles teams for a while. He had a 19-year career, eight of them with the Orioles. His best season's coming in 1996 and 1997. Actually received a few Hall of Fame votes when he was eligible in 2011. But B.J. Suroff is going to be the pick. Just a really solid all-around player. Played over 1,000 games. Hit 291. OPS near 800. B.J. Surhoff, my starting third baseman. Connor? You know, that is not a bad pick. You have uh, crushed me a little bit inside. That is my childhood favorite Oriole. Um, and B.J. Surhoff actually comes in his his second stint from 03 to 05 was when I um, loved Surhoff. That was when, again, he was not as good, uh, but that was my starting of, of watching the Orioles. Um, and the other thing you get with Surhoff, A, uh, you've got the next player up on my big board, so good job. And B, you know, you can put him at third now, but you've got a lot of flexibility with Surhoff if you want to take other players down the road because that guy played everywhere, especially even when he wasn't with the Orioles, you know, in Milwaukee and other places. I mean, he could catch as well. He could play the outfield. He can play the corner infield. Um, so a lot of options. Uh, so nice pick. Well, I was down to two guys, and I was just going to pick whoever you didn't. Uh, you took B.J. Surhoff. So I didn't plan this at the beginning, but I am just accumulating recent Orioles, and I'm really trying to put together the AL East winning team from 2014. Wow. Uh, and to uh, do my best Ryan Wagner impression, I'm going to take Jay. Jay Hardy with my next selection. And uh, listen, it's close. If you're looking at the next best shortstop on the board uh, between Hardy and uh, Masson broadcaster, Mike Bordick, uh, but Hardy, obviously the better offensive player as compared to Bordick uh, was 
obviously on better teams uh, than Bordick was. He's worth about one more war than Mike Bordick. And with the defense Hardy gives me, I'm going to take the offense uh, with J.J. at shortstop. Yeah, those were the two that I was juggling between B.J. Surhoff and J.J. Hardy, but I think Hardy's a great pick there. It's also J.J. Hardy. Come on. Yeah. He... And, you know, it's funny because, you know, he played seven seasons with the Orioles, uh, but he almost feels like he still at this point is like an Oriole legend, like he was here for 20 years. And it was seven years. It was seven fantastic years. The Orioles were winning basically the entire time he was here. Uh, But, uh, you know, in your head, it feels like he's been a 20-year Oriole. Your back-to-back pick is here, Connor, correct? Yeah, and... uh, Wow, I mean, I'm looking at potentially another recent guy to take with this pick. I knew it. And, you know, I, I feel like when when people start to see this, they're just going to uh, think, you know, here's some uh, kid in his early 20s who knows nothing about the Orioles uh, before, you know, the last decade. <laughs> I know and that's how he's drafting. <laughs> but that's just where the chips are falling right now. So, yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm taking Jonathan Scope and putting him at second base. <laughs> wow. So right now, from the 2012 through 16 Orioles, you know, that great run of five years, I've got Jonesy, Manny, Weeders, Hardy, and Scope all on my team. Wow. That, you That's were just fun. compiling. Talk about the team, team camaraderie, too. Well, look, I mean, that team had three playoff appearances in five years. Over that five-year stretch, they had the best cumulative record in the American League. A lot of good players on those teams, so... You know, Connor, you can you can uh, talk about recency bias, but at the, by the same token, those teams were also way better than the teams that played a decade for a decade-long period right before those teams started. So um, I like that pick there, Connor. And that leaves Brendan with one pick before I am back on the clock. Whew, this is this is an interesting position because I think we're getting pretty close to the time where some starting pitching goes off the board. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to miss them. However, there are still some good guys on my big board. Mm-hmm. But I think if I'm going to pull the trigger on a pitcher, I need to pull the trigger now. And I think that's what I'm going to do with Jeremy Guthrie. That's going to be my pick. I really? think he's probably the second best starting pitcher. He's the second best, at least on my board. He's got a war of 16 which, believe it or not, is the second best compared to Mike Messina's 46. Guthrie starts 153 games, doesn't have a great record of 47 and 65. ERA of 412, but he's still solid, and I think he was the next best starting pitcher available. So I'm going Jeremy Guthrie. Connor, I don't know about you. Jeremy Guthrie was my seventh best starting pitcher available. What was he for you? Yeah, it's 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 interesting to look at Guthrie because technically when you look at just straight up war, he is the second best pitcher behind Musina. Mm. Um, but you do not in your head as someone who's watched the Orioles, you don't think of Jeremy, Jeremy Guthrie, Guthrie yeah. into any kind of top pitcher. Now, don't get me wrong. Guthrie, unfortunately, was the ace of multiple staffs for the Orioles. Um, it hurts him that he was traded just months before the start of the 2012 season and it kind of equates in your head like, wow, the Orioles moved on to a whole new set of arms and started winning. He also pitched for the Royals team that swept the Orioles out of the 2014 ALCS, which leaves some bad taste uh, in people's mouths. 
But there are definitely, I put two other starting pitchers ahead of Guthrie. So uh, I'm a little happy that, that Brandon went there. Yeah, I am thrilled. If I'm being completely honest, I think this is, personally, I think this is too early for a starting pitcher precisely because both Connor and I have this guy lower. It doesn't matter exactly where we have him. I think the fact that we he is spread all over talks to the fact that there this middle group or lower group of starting pitchers after Messina is so wide open and that nobody really stands out. I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, Guthrie twice, you mentioned that win-loss record, he had two times in his Orioles career, he had 17 losses. And I know wins and losses are not a great stat by this point, but like Connor said, you don't think of him as a winning pitcher during that time period. Well, Paul, if I may defend myself a little bit here. Okay. We're talking about kind of... way too early to We're talking this, about so. the mess of these middle pitchers here a little bit. I am needing positions later in the draft that I think there is a lot of depth at right That's now. Um, right now, I am missing a first baseman, and I need corner outfield and DH. And I think there's a lot of those guys that you can get later in the draft. So I would rather get my hands messy now with that, that weird middle starting pitching range and at least get maybe one or two of those guys around the first few rounds here when they can start to go rather than reach on a position where I don't think there's anybody worthy of being picked right now. Because I only yeah. have one more guy on my big board who has a much clearer, better war than some of these starting pitchers, and it's not at a position that I need. Okay, so at this point, we are. I'm about to make the final pick in the sixth round. Just a reminder, we are going to be doing, because there are 18 rounds, correct? Yes. We are going to be splitting this into two. So we are going to be going through the end of the ninth round, <clears throat> before we uh, stop this part one of this podcast. So we have three rounds and a pick left um, before we are halfway through the draft. And um, at this point, do we think in a, another reset real quick? Brendan, do you want to just read out the names of your team right now? Sure, let's do it. Uh, at catcher, I've got Chris Hoyles, second base, Brian Roberts, shortstop, Cal Ripken Jr., Tentatively, third baseman B.J. Serhoff, but I might move him around if needed. Center field, Brady Anderson, and starting pitcher, Jeremy Guthrie. And Connor? Yeah, I've got your, uh, you know, your run-of-the-mill 2013 <laughs> Orioles lineup here. Uh, I got Adam Jones in center. I got Manny Machado at third. Matt Wieters behind the dish. Uh, Jonathan Scope at second. J.J. Hardy at short. And uh, the old man on this team is Rafael Palmero at first base. And I have uh, Mike Messina as my starting pitcher. I have Zach Britton in the bullpen. I've got Miguel Tejada uh, at shortstop, and I've got Melvin Moore, uh, Melvin Moore at third base for the time being, and Nick Markakis in right field. And I have back-to-back -back picks here. And I got to be honest, boys, I don't know how you left this guy on the board. He was significantly higher on my board, and you guys all took guys that, I mean, you, Hardy went off the board and Scope went off the board, and even Connor was talking about Mike Bordick. I feel great about this pick right here. He was the other guy besides Zach Britton that I was considering taking with my pick the last time. And that is going to be Roberto Alomar. I mean, only three seasons with the Orioles. So obviously body of work matters. But those three seasons, he hit 312, three-time All-Star, won two gold gloves, and won a silver slugger. He hit 50 home runs in that time period, an 862 OPS, during, in those three seasons, he had 12.5 wins above replacement, which means he averaged over four wins above replacement in those three seasons. So while I'm not getting him for a great, huge time period, I'm getting a Hall of Famer in my infield at second base. 
I thought for sure when I took Britain, this guy would be off the board the next time I picked. So I feel great putting Roberto Alomar in my infield next to Miguel Tejada and Melvin Mora. Well, believe me, I wanted to take Roberto Alomar over Jeremy Guthrie. However, I didn't think that putting him at DH was the move for me in this round. I don't think I was going to reach at a DH that high. And I already had Brian Roberts at second base. So I couldn't really go Roberto Alomar there. I was I thinking you. about it. I was I, thinking about it. And look, when you want to build a team, I, I thought I was going to have to, you know, try to build a team backwards and, and try to build the corner spots. I mean, I have a great starting pitcher. I have a great reliever. And I have a second base, shortstop, and third base. That's right up the middle. I feel good about this team. I don't have a center fielder. I'm a little worried about that. But well, that I, makes one of us feeling good about your team, Paul. I feel I feel great about my team well, at this point, and I have another pick. That you do. So I'm going to try to take less time with this pick when I think about it. I think I can wait on catcher. I think I can wait there. Less time, he says. I'm going to, I'm going to talk you through this process. Here. Oh, yeah. Um, well, clearly you need to talk us through it because I don't think you would talk yourself through it beforehand. I don't think I did. No. Uh, Underprepped. Mm-hmm. But overperforming. Um, eh, well. With this next pick, um, I think I'm good in the bullpen. I'm not really wanting to touch any of those starting pitchers, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so with this pick, I'm going to go ahead and take another Hall of Famer, Harold Baines, with my Ooh. next pick. Um, the war is not great. No, I will say not. that. But that is defensive only. And when you take him completely out of the field and just make him a DH, which is what he played with the Baltimore Orioles, he was outstanding. Over seven seasons, Harold Baines hit 301. He had 107 homers, an 881 OPS. And keep in mind, it is technically seven seasons, but it was part of seven seasons because some of those seasons were cut in half by trades and such. So he, in those seven seasons, he only played 670 games. When you look at those 670 games, Harold Baines was outstanding. He's a Hall of Famer. I feel very good about this pick, and I feel like he is by far the best DH um, available and, and available in this draft. And, you know, I, I think you guys can debate who the next best DH is, but I'm taking a guy who is the best at his position and a Hall of Fame player in Harold Baines. I would agree that Harold Baines is probably the best pure DH, but Connor, correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, this is now the second of Paul's picks where, you know, usually I'm just going right down my big board, crossing off people that are going off the board. I had to scroll a little bit for Harold Baines on my big board. I don't know where you had him. Yeah, he was a, he was a little lower than me or, or for me, excuse me, but he, he was in the top 30. It's not a, it's not a horrendous pick. Yeah, and I had him at 31. I like going for the DH. I am, I, you know, I've planned to go strictly you know, just the next best hitter is going to go to DH. But I kind of like how you just went for, you know, the DH a little bit earlier. You know, I feel like by the end of my draft, I'll have all my position players sorted out, and then I might just take one more guy to stick at DH. But your your team's going to pack a little more punch there, and of course you get a Hall of Famer. And, you know, the the great Harold Baines, the three-time Oriole, uh, with, with yeah. over seven years to have three different stints uh, with a team. Uh, just uh, what a career he had, and, and to still make it into the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, I feel good about this pick. All right, Brendan, you are back on the clock at this point. Indeed I am. And I, this is a, there's two different positions that I think I could go. And I think one of them has a much bigger drop-off than the other one. 
And I think it's a bit of a reach here, but with my team needs, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to draft my first baseman, and it's going to be Chris Davis. I know that Chris Davis has had his struggles recently, but we cannot forget about how dominant Chris Davis was for that few-year stretch when he was hitting 50-plus home runs. It's a little bit of a reach for me where I had him on my big board, but I don't think I could afford to go down to the next best first baseman after Chris Davis. So just based on my positional needs for my team, I think I can wait on some other positions, and I go Chris Davis here to play first base. I mean, 10 seasons hit, you know, at this point, he's hitting 230 and, and dropping. Um, the, the, it is, you are getting him for some excellent years, but you are yes. getting the back end. I am, I am banking on up, those excellent years. You're signing up for the full Chris Davis experience. Yep which is bold, and um, frankly, I was probably not ready to do that for quite a while. Um, but look, if, if for the first couple years you get the best part of Chris Davis, he's going to be solid in You also lineup. get a top five MVP season thrown in there. Yeah. And I know he has had his struggles, but if you're going to get a top five MVP season somewhere within those years that you get somebody who I am now drafting in the seventh round, I'll take that. All right. Connor... What do you think of that pick before you make your back-to-back picks? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's early for To me. be honest, that is the player I thought about the most where he should go. Because if you're just strictly looking at war, he's number 22 on the list. But you have to split that into two careers, basically. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's pre-contract and post-contract career. Yeah. If you're getting pre-contract Chris Davis, we know you're getting an incredible player who could have won MVP in 2013. And if you're getting post-contract Chris Davis, you're getting, you know, a guy you probably don't want in your lineup right now. So I am here for the full roller coaster. Give me the Chris Davis experience on my team. Well, now I've got the back-to-back picks. And to be honest, uh, I don't have any pitchers yet. And you you need those usually. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, well, people have argued. If you draft Stevie Wilkerson, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's that's a good point. But, you know, to be honest with you, this guy that I'm going to take is maybe going to be a little surprising as well um, because I'm going to take a reliever who was never a closer except for injuries. But, and again, I'm going with a recent Oriole, but there has been no reliever, in my opinion, who had the career since Camden Yards Open that had both this sort of length and this sort of consistent dominance for the entire time. And I'm going to take Darren O'Day. Love that pick. Yeah. Because... I know, you know, you look at his career and really the only times he was a true closer was, you know, Jim Johnson needed a day off uh, or Zach Britton, you know, the couple times he went on the injured list. Um, you know, he, he had 19 saves in his career in his seven years with the Orioles. But a 2-4-0 ERA in 391 relief appearances, that is a lot of time out of the bullpen to keep your ERA under 2.5 for Darren O'Day. And here's the kicker. Rarely does a non-closer make the all-star team. And yet that's what O'Day did in 2015 as well. Um, so maybe I don't use him in the ninth inning, uh, but I feel good about whatever scenario I'm putting O'Day in there and, and he's going to be my pick. That's exactly the guy that I was thinking of when Paul said that Zach Britton was far and away the best reliever. I was kind of thinking, well, what about Darren O'Day? I know Zach Britton at his peak was certainly better than Darren O'Day, but you cannot discount just how good O'Day was for so long. I like that pick. He was excellent. 
Absolutely excellent. I, I think that is a great pick. And yeah, I have them one, two. I do think maybe not far and away. That was probably a little strong, but I do think Britain is the best reliever of this era, especially when you think about the heights that he reached with that 0.56 ERA. And of course the lows in that wild card game, which we won't discuss. Um, so I think, uh, O'Day is, is definitely the second best reliever. Also, keep in mind, speaking of that wild card game, none of the managers have been touched. We do still have to draft managers at some point. A um, lot of starting pitchers on the board at this point. Uh, shocker. Shocker about that one. Uh, our rosters are not yet half full. So we are just, you, this is the seventh round, I believe. We're going up through round nine. Brendan, you're on the, the clock. Doesn't Connor have another pick? Oh, no, Connor has another pick. I do, yeah. Come you were on, trying Paul. to skip right over my pick, Sorry. which is now the second instance of collusion um, <laughs> in this draft, which is fine. And, you know, you said starting pitchers, and frankly, my team is at a weird spot now, and I think we're in a weird spot in this draft where I have one pitcher, it's Darren O'Day. I do not have a starting pitcher, and this is my eighth pick. And at some point, I need some starting pitchers to help me win baseball games if I'm going to put this team on the field. And to be honest with you, it's not looking great out there for what uh, (laughs) we have to choose from. And so I'm going to pick a guy for not only what he did on the field with the Orioles, because he was never on a winning Orioles team, but when he did pitch for the O's, he was really, really good. And I'm going to make this pick out of respect also for what he brought back to the Orioles. So I'm going to take Eric Bedard (laughs) with this pick. And of course, he pitched with Baltimore 2002 to 2007. And you know, those last couple years in Baltimore were phenomenal. 06, you know, he made 33 starts. He had a 3.76 ERA. 07, he made 28 starts. He had a 3.16 ERA. And the Orioles sold high on Eric Bedard. They traded him at the perfect time after that 2007 season. It netted them Adam Jones, who's already on my team, Chris Tillman, who was a solid starting pitcher for a long time, and George Sherrill, who the Orioles eventually flipped again, but was an all-star closer when he was with the Orioles. And... Bedard was an ace for the O's for four or five seasons, and uh, he brought back some franchise cornerstones. And listen, it's not like I'm taking him over guys who are a whole lot better than him. You know, on my board left right now, there's only one other starting pitcher who has a better career war um, as a starting pitcher than Bedard, and it's not by very much. So I'm going to take the lefty. That's a good pick. That's probably who I would have gone with my next pick, so I'm a little mad at Connor now. But I still have to go pitcher again um, just because you just kind of have to go pitcher at this point. I need pitchers on my team. I don't have many. And the one guy that is left on my board who was kind of that Guthrie-Bedard tier is Scott Erickson. And that's who I'm going to take. Starts 197 games. The stats do not look fantastic. A 4.73 ERA, a whip of 1.463. But he's next up on war. And uh, that's kind of what I'm going with there. And also, a kind of ridiculous stat about Scott Erickson. 37 complete games in his career with the Orioles. That doesn't seem like it makes sense because that is tied with Mike Messina for complete games. But 37 complete games and 10 shutouts for Scott Erickson? Sure. Sign me up. Uh, Yeah, I like that pick. I mean, uh, long tenure for Scott Erickson... Um, you look at the bulk and, you know, a four seven three ERA for the total, but that doesn't tell the whole story with Scott right. Erickson. Um, you know, 1995 to 2000, uh, came back in 2002, um, 
you know, a, a, another case, sadly, of a guy who was different after the contract than before the contract. Um, but I like that pick. So you, how many starting pitchers? So I'm, I'm here with Mike Messina. How many starting pitchers? You have two starting pitchers? I now have two. I have Jeremy Guthrie and Scott Erickson. And nobody in the bullpen. Connor, how nobody many? Nobody in the bullpen, yeah. You have uh, Darren O'Day in your bullpen. How many starters do you have? And then I just have Eric Bedard uh, starting off my rotation. At the okay, moment. sounds good. So I am on the board, or I'm on the clock. Gosh, I'm going to get that confused a million times. Yeah. All right, we are starting round, or I'm finishing round eight, eight. And then we are going into the final round of this podcast before we started up. Uh, next podcast so i have back-to-back picks again here i do you need, usually do i do need a center fielder but both you guys already have technically center fielders i guess you could both of those guys you could move to a corner spot adam jones did of course play a corner spot they have to have played that position um with the baltimore orioles you both have first baseman in chris davis and rafael palmero you both have catchers so I feel like I might be able to wait on those spots. I have a DH. I'm pretty much set in the infield. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Sounds thinking. Like, he sounds like he's content with his team. <laughs> you know what? Pack it in. Forfeit the pick. You know what? I think I'm good. Uh, with my next pick, I'm going to go with a guy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to delve back into that starting rotation. Um, and I'm going to go with the guy who was... Like the two guys that were just taken in their picks uh, with those picks, long-tenured Orioles, but not um, great overall when you look at the total numbers, but they showed flashes along the way. They had good seasons along the way. Um, I'm going to go with Chris Tillman to pair with Mike Messina. Uh, Tillman, when you look at the bulk of his career, just a 4-5-7 ERA, but he was a 2013 All-Star, and I'm signing up for the full Chris Tillman experience. I have to. But, so that includes the final two years, which is 2017-18, but you take out those two seasons, and he was a 4.13 ERA pitcher. Um, 6.7 Ks per nine. He was the best pitcher on an Orioles team that made the playoffs several years, uh, three out of those five years. So I like my Chris Tillman pick right here to pair with Mike Messina. Um, And then with my back-to-back picks, I'm going to think about it. This is going to be a case, I think, of, like Connor said, of being accused of going with, actually, no. Am I going to do that? I'm going to, I'm, I'm really the indecisiveness about out There's of a lot of indecisiveness here. There is a lot of indecisiveness. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, I'm going to build this rotation even further. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, okay. going to, I'm going to go with another starting pitcher right here. Okay. I'm going to go with a lefty to add to the two righties that I have in my rotation at this point. He's the best lefty on the board. I'm going to go with Wei-Yin Chen. Ooh. Four seasons, had a 3-7-2 ERA, 7Ks per nine. He started three playoff games for the Orioles during his tenure with the team. Started 117 games, which is more than Eric Bedard. Um, so he had a good amount of games under his belt. A 3-7-2 ERA is better than... Pretty much the entire field. Um, nope, there are very few starting pitchers during this era who had an ERA under four. I feel good about a one-two-three punch of Mike Messina, Chris Tillman, and Wei-Yin Chen. Not the pitchers that I thought you were going to go with, but good pitchers nonetheless, I think. My starting rotation, I only have two, and I do not have any relievers, mm-hmm. so I think now is the time that I go reliever. 
Okay. And that reliever is going to be the best closer not named Zach Britton, and that's Jim Johnson. A war of just about 10. He had 122 saves, 360 games. I think Jim Johnson is the next best reliever after the O'Day and Zach Britton tier, and I needed a reliever. I didn't have any. Connor seems to disagree with my Jim Johnson take over here. Listen, I love Jim Johnson. He was almost perfect and was a huge reason the Orioles finally got back to the playoffs in 2012. I mean, he was 51 out of 54 in saves that year. The Orioles won, I mean, basically a million one-run games, a million extra inning games. You know, They didn't blow any leads after the seventh inning. Johnson was the reason. Johnson also fell apart in 2013 and was gone. And I know his war is the best out of all these relievers left, but to contextualize it a little bit, he came up to Baltimore in 2006. He wasn't really the closer until about 2011 with that team. So he accrued a lot of war, not a lot of war, but just being a solid middle relief setup guy for a while. And, you know, his run as a good closer really only lasted, you know, two years at most. And in that two-year stretch, you know, I think there's a couple guys back in the 90s and even in the mid-2000s who are a little bit better in that closer role. But, you know, Jim Johnson did have a very long career as an Oriole. Yeah, I was going for the longevity there. Johnson will probably, if we were making this theoretical team with only three relievers, I think Johnson would probably bounce around between somewhere in the middle of the bullpen and that closer role. But I think the longevity overall makes him probably the third best reliever, at least that I had on my board. All right, Connor, back-to-back, or no. Is this, this, the, is, this is the final pick this of the, is the ninth final round. Pick. And then we end this podcast, and we go again in a week. So, Connor, the final pick of this podcast, give it to us. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough because my infield is put together. There's a pretty good infielder that is still on this list right now. And then you look at my starting rotation and I have one guy in there and uh, through nine rounds, you know, it's basically the question of, should I add another starting pitcher um, or do I go maybe just get the best player available on the board at this point? And, you know, looking at this team, to be honest with you, I've got, you know, some bats in my infield right now. And, you know, I have uh, Manny Machado and J.J. Hardy and Jonathan Scope, and it would be really tough to take Mike Bordick and move one of those guys to DH because they're all so good defensively. Um, So I'm going to take a starting pitcher, and I think I'm going to surprise some people with this pick. And again, it's going to fall right into the category of my team right now, but I think Kevin Gosman was better than people remember him being as an Oriole, both as a reliever and as a starter. And I'm going to put him in my number two role in my rotation right now. And uh, I'm just going to roll with it. I like that pick. I like that pick. I think I wholeheartedly agree. Kevin Gosman, my note for him, it's fitting that he's on the San Francisco Giants because he only had good years and even years. If you look at his career with the Baltimore Orioles, uh, he was better uh, in 14, in 16, in 12, I believe, um, than he was in the odd years. So um, Kevin Gosman, inconsistent pitcher, but that's what made him frustrating, but also very exciting to watch for stretches because he could be excellent at times. You saw his elite stuff. Um, I, I agree. I think the, 
when we get further and further away from Kevin Gosman's or tenure as an Oriole, I think we'll appreciate him a little bit more. Yeah. Again, he's just one of those starting pitchers where you probably could have taken a lot of them in that spot, but I think Gosman is probably one or two of the best ones remaining. All right, let's let's go through our teams before we wrap up this podcast. All started out because I had the number one overall pick. I'll read out the guys that I have on my roster at this point. I have Mike Messina, Chris Tillman, and Wei-Yin Chen as my one, two, three in my starting rotation. I have Zach Britton coming out of my bullpen. In right field, I have Nick Markakis. At DH, I have Harold Baines. And then my second base, shortstop, third base combination at this point, Roberto Alomar, Miguel, uh, Miguel Tejada, and Melvin Mora. That is my team at this point. Brendan? Yeah, I'm just going to read down the list of my picks here. My first pick was Cal Ripken Jr., then Brady Anderson, Brian Roberts, Chris Hoyles, BJ Serhoff, then I went pitching with Jeremy Guthrie, Chris Davis, Scott Erickson, and Jim Johnson. And Connor? Yeah, so I basically got your uh, 2016 Orioles. <laughs> uh, at, at catcher, I've got Matt Wieters. At first base, uh, you know, I've got an old guy in Rafael Palmero. At second, Jonathan Scope, J.J. Hardy at short, Manny Machado at third. I have Adam Jones in center. Uh, my rotation right now is 1-2 with Eric Bedard and Kevin Gosman, and I have Darren O'Day sitting in the bullpen. All right, so those are the teams at this point. We still have nine rounds to go, and we will continue it next week on the Mass and All Access podcast. This has been a fun hour-long podcast, which means the next one's going to be just as long and exciting. We hope you've been enjoying this as much as we have because we clearly have been enjoying this a whole lot. Uh, So thanks to Connor Newcomb of the Locked On Orioles podcast for joining us. He will be joining us again next week to complete these picks. And then you guys get to vote on who you think has the best of these three teams. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff, and tune in next week for our episode as well. Brendan Mortensen, I'm Paul Mancano. We'll see you in a week.